you're listening to the sermon, None Greater, by Pastor Dan Krause from Brian Baptist Church, originally taught on Easter Sunday, April 9th, 2023. Why Jesus? Why all the talk of crucifixions and the resurrection of the dead? The idea that our present reality can be radically transformed by one historical day from antiquity? Why does this one event persist to shake nations, stands against kingdoms, relentlessly remaining there in every test in time? Why does the life of one rabbi bring hope to the billions and peace beyond understanding, peace even in facing death? His axioms transcend culture, moving between and among every generation, offering new grace with each day to the poor and to the rich, to the young and to the old, each who calls his name. This is not just a page between the chapters of history, neither myth, metaphor, nor a line of spectacular exaggeration. His influence on every human life story is unfit to be placed into any existing category. No, Jesus isn't written into our story. Rather, our story is written into his. Every authority, even the grave, obeys his sovereign will. This is why we exalt the mighty name of Jesus over and over and over again. His victory has given us life. His mercies stand at the center of our faith. He alone holds the pen of history. He is the one true God, and at that, a God who died for us. Why rejoice? Why is this our anthem? The answer for why Jesus comes down to this. Jesus is at the center. His victory over the grave is written into every line. Between old and new, between death and life, there stands one historical reality, the resurrection of Jesus. There have been many people who have walked this earth and who have done great things. There are many names that I could say that would conjure up all kinds of memories and thoughts. Historical figures, people who have done great and brave things, people who have had millions of people rallying behind them in times of trouble. There have been many times in this world where somebody has entered into this world and done something spectacular. But friends, there has been no one in the history of humanity who has been even close to the greatness of our God. Friends, this morning I want you to remember on this Resurrection Sunday that you serve the greatest person, the greatest God this world has ever seen because our God has created this world and our God has given us hope 
Our God has given us new life. Our God doesn't demand sacrifice from us. Our God sacrificed for us. There have been other religious leaders that are well known to this day. A man man named Siddhartha, maybe you know him as Buddha, born in Nepal around 563 B.C. Married at 16 years old to his first of three wives. At birth, he was allegedly predicted to be a political ruler. According to uh, the BBC, his father conspired to protect his son from any religious aspirations by giving him a life of pleasure and privilege and by preventing him from seeing the harsher sides of reality. You might say he was born with a silver spoon. Lots of resources, lots of wealth. And his father tried to protect him from difficult times. But Siddhartha was, grew weary of the good life and wanted something different. And uh, he was looking for a religious uh, experiences. Ended up with something called asceticism. And he would go without things and, and make life hard on himself and He got tired of that too. (laughs) After some failed religious experiments, his companions rejected him as he gave up. He spent the rest of his life seeking inner peace through some sort of religious experience. And around 483 B.C., he died of some sort of food poisoning. His body burned and his bones split up between eight different states. If you are wondering about Siddhartha or Buddha, today he remains dead. Muhammad, born in what is today Saudi Arabia in around 570 AD, spent a month in a cave searching for answers. His first wife was several years older than him, a wealthy widow, ended up being married to 11 women, many of them wealthy widows older than him. But at least one of his wives was as young as six or seven years old at the time they were married. He was in his 50s. The marriage was believed to be consummated when the bride was nine. Muhammad led a group of raiders who would wait and lie, wait, uh, lie in wait to rob wealthy merchants while they traveled and be, began to uh, have, uh, become, have, uh, have a fortune because of what they were doing. Muhammad died in 632 A.D. Some historians argue that he was poisoned by his youngest wife. If you are wondering, Muhammad is still dead. And then there was Jesus. Born in Bethlehem to a teenage mom. Odds stacked against him in so many ways. Likely learned carpentry from his father. Age 30, he began a ministry. In his ministry, he became a teacher, a healer of the sick, a compassionate, a compassionate teacher and Lord of his disciples. He was betrayed by a friend. He was unjustly tried and executed, and he was buried in a tomb that was donated to him. And today, that is where our story picks up, which is much more than a story. Mark chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, would you turn there? 
And as you turn, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, there is simply none greater than you. God, you saw us in our desperate state, in our desperate need, without hope. And you sent your Son on our behalf. God, this is a day that we rejoice in your resurrection. And we look forward to our own. Where we sing songs like, holy, holy, holy. And we sing them in your presence while you are there. God, we look forward to that day. God, as we go to your word today, may you speak in and through me. May your spirit prepare our hearts to hear. And may we leave here more like you than when we arrived. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a ro white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. While all of the other great religious heroes of our world are dead and gone and have stayed dead, our God has defeated death and the grave. That is what we are celebrating today. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. But friends, Jesus is alive. No one has ever been able to do what Jesus has done. And Jesus didn't do it just for his own sake. Jesus died on a cross and has risen again for our sake. He knows you. He loves you. And he has sacrificed himself for you. Please know that today. There never has been nor will there ever be anyone as great as King Jesus. As we look at the greatness of Jesus, let's back up the story just a little bit. My first point this morning is this, there has been and never will be any greater love. Mark 15, verses 6 through 20. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man named, uh, called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do uh, as he usually did for them. 
And he asked, answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred a crowd, up the crowd to have him released for them, Barabbas, instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, watching, or wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in, purple, in a purple cloak. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail! king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. I want you to know that Jesus could have stopped the whole thing at any time he chose. He could have called thousands of angels to come and to bring vengeance on the people who were mocking him, who were beating him, and who would nail him to a cross. He could have stopped the whole thing at any time he wanted. But he didn't. He continued on. And Jesus died for the very people who cried crucify him. I think many of us would be willing to die for a family member. Some of us would be willing to die for a friend. Very few would be willing to die for a stranger. But who of us would be willing to die for an enemy who is crying out for our blood? But who was Jesus' enemy? Was it just the ones who cried crucify him? Was it just the Roman soldiers? Was it the Sanhedrin? Romans 5, 7 and 8 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one, might, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, we were the enemies of Christ, and he died on our behalf. He took what we deserved on himself. It was our sin. It was our sin. Not some other group of people. It was our sin that needed to be paid for. And it was His great love, not the nails, not the Romans, not the Sanhedrin, that kept Him on the cross. It was His great love for you. Friends, no one no one has ever loved you like Jesus loves you. While he was on the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you imagine what he was enduring all the while thinking of those people that he came to save? My question for you today is this. Have you accepted the forgiveness that comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 
He died on your behalf. Have you received that forgiveness? If you have accepted His forgiveness, can others see His love in your life? 1 John 4, 13-16 By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us. Because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. In other words, Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you should have gotten a little bit on you, and others should be able to see it. Do we love others in a sacrificial sort of way like we have been loved? Friends, we have been forgiven everything. Have you accepted that forgiveness? There is no greater love. But friends, there's also no greater power than that of our God. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-6 For I delivered to you as of, the, as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised, and on the third day in accordance with Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Friends, there is no greater power than the power of God. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but yes, He was risen from the grave. There is no greater power than that. Who else could bring the dead back to life but Jesus? Jesus, the greatest power of all time. While God's power was displayed in the resurrection, it has also been seen and is seen in creation. Romans 1.20, for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. All you have to do is open a window and look outside. Or look to your left and look to your right and see the beauty of creation, the complexity of creation that our God has created. As followers of Jesus Christ, we, have been, we are indwelt with the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Friends, in Christ, according to His Word, what can you not do if you are indwelled with the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? Romans 8.11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That is a great power and it dwells in you. It is a power to restore. It is a power to break the bondage of sin. It is a power to overcome the darkness that is in this world. And friends, there is a darkness in this world. It is a power that has defeated sin. It is a power that has defeated death. Death no longer has the final say because of Jesus. Because of His love 
And because of His great power, death does not win, but He does. And that is why His great love and His great power lead, leads to a great, great hope. Friends, I hope you hear me clearly this morning. Because sometimes it feels like we live in a hopeless world. But we can have a great and confident hope in our Lord Jesus Christ because He has overcome the grave. Colossians 1, 13-20 He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Boy, I'm going to stop there. If you haven't done so already, maybe memorize those words. Think about them because they will give you great hope. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Somebody should say hallelujah to that. There is so much hope for us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. Friends, He's the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? That means there'll be more to come. There's hope for us. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. Friends, have you accepted that peace for your life? Do you have that peace that only comes through a relationship with Christ? If you don't, why not make this Resurrection Sunday the day that you pass from death unto life? That you receive the forgiveness of sins that came at such a dear price the price of the Father's only Son. We live in a dark and hopeless world, but in Christ we have light. We have light. And we have the greatest hope that we could ever have. And it's not just a hope that's far-fetched. It's a confident hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, whatever is going on in your life right now, whatever trial you are facing, I believe this wholeheartedly. In Christ, your tomorrow will be better. Whatever darkness you are currently enduring, whatever trial, whatever struggle, it may seem bleak. It may seem like there is no way out, but if you look to the horizon, you can see the glimmer of light. And as you walk towards that light, 
As you walk towards Christ with your life, that light will grow and the darkness will begin to fade and you will see that whatever it is you're going through, whatever struggle that you are facing, there is light in the horizon. There is a new day. There is a new mercy. There is a new hope because Christ died for your sins and better than that, He rose again victorious over death and sin. And that is why we are here today this great hope that comes from Christ. In Christ, friends, we have been delivered from the power of sin. In Christ, we have been delivered from the domain of darkness. In Christ, we have been delivered from eternal punishment. In Christ, we have the promise of our own resurrection. In Christ, we have the hope of the world. Do you have the hope that comes from Christ today in your life? Friends, we wake up in the morning and we never quite know what's going to happen in our day. We don't know in the morning what's going to happen in the afternoon. We don't know what kind of struggles that we are going to endure. Like Buddha and Mohammed, we too will face death if Christ doesn't return. Neither Buddha or Mohammed can give us any hope. But in Christ, in Christ there is hope that we will follow Him in His resurrection because death and sin have been defeated. I spent some time yesterday with a family who suffered the worst kind of tragedy. In that there is such a darkness and despair I'm so grateful that in this tragedy there is such a great hope. I am so grateful that in this tragedy, while there is pain, there is hope for tomorrow. That if you look closely towards the horizon, you will see that glimmer of light. And you'll be able to move towards that glimmer of light and it will get brighter. And the darkness will fade. I'm so grateful that we have this great hope that comes in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you that in the midst of darkness, the morning came in the midst of what feels like defeat, there is victory. In the midst of what must have been a celebration in hell, in just a moment, it turned into cries of failure. As Jesus has overcome the grave, and He hasn't just overcome the grave so that He would live, but He overcame the grave that we would live. And God, we are so thankful for that. God, we look towards that glorious day when we will be reunited with You, that we will be reunited with those ones who have gone before us, who have put their hope in You. God, we love You. We praise You. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.